Rico Navarro weaving his way through, and it's in! All right, football fans, welcome into another edition of the Intercontinental Football Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Tyler Terrence, joined by none other than Arlo White and A-Dub. We are fresh off of Arlo's first pitch at Wrigley Field and an 8 nothing drubbing of the Cubby Bears <laughs> on the north side at the hands of, yes, the NL East leading New York Mets. We're not here to talk about baseball, but we are going to at the beginning of this show, which, of course, is brought to you by Revolution Brewing, the largest independent brewery in all of Illinois, makers of Hazy Pitch, makers of Freedom Lemonade, makers of just some of the best damn beer that you're going to have anywhere in Chicago and even beyond that. Arlo White. Good morning. Oh, man. How you doing, pal? Well, it, it's, it's you know, it was disappointing um, to, to uh, with all the buildup. And, uh, but, you know, you're standing behind the, the mound at Wrigley Field with your New York Mets shirt on, your New York Mets hat, which you got special a special sign-off from, <laughs> from the lovely Stevie Finale, uh, who set this up uh, at the Chicago Cubs. And uh, I knew that if I threw a strike... That you would have to wear a Cubs jersey for three straight days, um, and uh, it was—I was kind of softened up a little bit by the new Purdue basketball coach, men's basketball <laughs> coach, who who threw off the mound, you know, just before me, and he bounced it, and I think it sort of led me into a false sense of security. I think it took my it took my focus away. You know, if he'd have thrown a heater down the middle, I think I'd have felt the pressure, but it, it bounced just before. What's the what is it? Cubby the mascot? Yeah, Cubby. Yeah. Now, so last time I did it, um, there was an actual professional baseball player as the as the catcher um, mm -hmm. who who the day after this is three years ago, the day after my pitch got sent down to the minors. And I don't think he's been back since. Um, mm -hmm. But this was Cubby, the mascot, and it bounced just just in front of the plate. Is that right? Yeah. I, I haven't yeah. looked back at it yet. Um, so, look, in my my excuse is it was a sinker. Um, so you know, it would have been a swing and a miss, and it would have been a strike anyway. It was it was um, an O2 pitch. You wasted one. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so I've got a baseball now with a little bit of dirt on it. But at one point, I think it was about the fifth inning, I then caught a fly ball off a off a deflection to two rows back. Uh, I gave that one away to a kid in the same row. But at one point, I, I was I was there at Wrigley Field, living my best life, holding two baseballs aloft. To the to the roar of the crowd, um, but I gave that one away. But it was, a, it was apart from the scoreline, it was an absolutely fantastic experience, um, and one that you know hopefully I get to do again someday. It was, uh, I was glad you were there for it. It was an amazing night. Thank you for letting me come along. Uh, a real treat for me to be able to do that with you uh, against the Mets, no less. But um, yeah, it was it was a fun night. I, I must say, from my vantage point, standing directly behind you, uh, it looked good until it didn't. I tell you, it didn't. It looked. It, it did look good. I mean, it was. It, you couldn't have been more dead straight, and your control was there. But, um, you know, whatever whatever work you've been doing with with the personal trainer, um, you know, a few more reps, few more, few more push ups, whatever it might be. Uh, just yeah, to, the last, to get it there the last two and a half years have not been kind. So, <laughs> yeah, it's clearly, to in many ways, but 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 uh, but at least to my to the power of my right throwing arm. 
the false sense of, of security was there even before the Purdue coach threw it out because Cubby Bear was offering to you know throw a couple of warm up pitches with you and you declined and I'm like <laughs> sitting, I'm like I'm, I'm losing my mind for you because I'm like throw the baseball you haven't thrown one in three years. <laughs> Yeah, I probably won't be so cocky next time. Um, yeah, maybe you and I could go out in the parking lot, I don't know, the day before. You, you bring your mitt and yeah. we'll do a little bit of practice. But what a, what, I mean, what a, what a fun night. And, and, you know, Wrigley Field, it just, it's such a magical place. It, it's, as soon as you walk through the, you know, the, the turnstiles, if you like, and, and into, into the ballpark, it's just an, an amazing environment, sporting yeah. environment. It's a beautiful night, There's, you know, sun setting behind the stands and golden sunshine. It was, it was just magical. Uh, you know, the team at the moment are struggling and the Mets were clearly the better team, you know, and uh, all round, but mm-hmm. just a great night all round. And it's just a great place to spend time, isn't it? What, what a fantastic arena and a great sporting environment down there. A, a, a perfect night for me. Uh, you know, I'm sure for you, it was, damn near close with the exception of the result for the cubby bears but i'll tell you what there was a result 24 hours before that game yes that certainly was perfect and a 2-0 win for the chicago fire over toronto um getting back on track after the loss against columbus over the weekend uh 2-0 lead at halftime deja vu all over again and the fire this time were able to kill off the game um toronto were just terrorized by an 18 year old colombian by the name of john duran who put in the best shift that he's had in Major League Soccer so far. And scoring a brace, he becomes the second youngest player ever to score two goals in a game. The only other player, former fireman and U.S. men's national team player, Demarcus Beasley. So John Duran is in some good company, and the fire come away with a big result. The, the only thing that's painful, Arlo, the only thing, is that when you look at the table, and if the fire had gotten those three points against Columbus, they would be three points off of a playoff spot right now. That's the only painful thing right now. But you can't do anything about the past. I'm curious on your thoughts and, and your vantage point uh, from the booth up there with Tony. Yeah, it was it was a great night. You know, uh, we we've I think we've said it for a while now. You know, that the time is running out. I think you use the phrase "we're running out of runway" in terms of in terms of the playoffs. So it, it was a must win, <clears throat> and and the fire the fire performed. And, and what what impressed me the most about it was you know the the their ability to forget what happened in the second half against the the Columbus Crew and instead focus on what worked for them in the first half because the fire were fantastic in the first half against the Crew. And then a similar story against Toronto FC, you know, another beautiful night at Soldier Field. And from the absolute word go, from the first whistle, John Duran was sensational. Winning the ball back on the halfway line, the ball bounced to, this is the third minute, the ball bounced to uh, to Chris Mueller and sent him on his way. And from, the, from a yard inside the fire half to putting the ball in the back of the net, two touches. Mm. To, it, it, phenomenal. He ran onto the pass. He, he played the perfect touch into the penalty area. The goalkeeper went down a little early, but but John was able to finish. And that just set things up beautifully for, for, for the night. And we have to talk about Brian Gutierrez as well and the audacious flick um, for for the assist for the second goal. And it was a similar situation on the other side of the field where Duran runs through basically from the halfway line and, and scores again. And, you know, kept his calm, kept his composure, finished beautifully both times. And at one point with Mavinga going off through injury at centre-back, Shane O'Neill having an absolute horror show and on a yellow card and the substitutes uh, centre-back McNaughton on a yellow card, 
you know, I thought there's no way that Toronto were going to end that game with 11 men. They no. did in the end, you know, uh, Duran in the second half, well, the fire were, were managing the game a little bit more. And Duran in the second half was, was a little gassed after 60 minutes or so. Um, but look, all round a, tr- a tremendous night. And I thought your interview with Ezra at halftime was fantastic. He was, he's always very thorough in his answers. Often, yes. Coaches can't wait to, to get away and, you know, and talk to their team. And, and Ezra, I'm sure, you know, gave a fantastic halftime speech. But the, the thoroughness of his, of his couple of answers to you about how we won't be talking about Columbus and what happened, at, you know, in the second half, we, we're going to be, you know, concentrating on seeing this result out. And, and that's exactly what they did. And, and the fire turned in an all-round excellent performance. Um, and and like you say, frustration that they didn't get the three points against Columbus, but maybe this is the launch pad for, for better things, you know, in the second half of the season, and we're on to the next one against Seattle on Saturday. That's right, and, and as far as the table is concerned, you know, you're six points off of the playoffs right now. Um, Atlanta has a slew of injuries, and they've been a, a little bit of a disaster as of late. Um, you think about this Miami team that Chicago are just two points off and, you know, they have their struggles as far as the roster building and everything like that, but they get Postuelo on loan from, from Toronto FC. And then, you know, New England and Columbus are, have been inconsistent this year. So, uh, uh, and by the way, Cucho Hernandez uh, is making an immediate impact in major league soccer, scored two goals in their 2-2 draw against DC United, one of which being an absolute screamer. One of those ones where he cuts in from the left-hand side um, and just curls it into the far post and a great Very, very similar to his, his first goal for Watford on the opening yes. day of last season against in the Premier League against Aston Villa, cutting in on the left-hand side of the penalty area and curling it into the opposite top corner. So we know, we know what he can do. We've seen that before, but he's going to be a great signing. And I think Columbus and Adam and I were talking about this before we came on. Columbus are going to get into the playoffs and they're a team that could very well make make another run um, a la 2020, even if they're not going to be one of the top four seeds. Um, they, they have a lot of talent. Obviously, Caleb Porter is a great coach. And listen, if, if, the, if the game against Columbus didn't go the way that it went, being up 2-0 at halftime and then losing 3-2, like if they had drawn that game or something along those lines, you can't really turn your nose up at the fact that against that type of team mm-hmm. – um, and, and, and losing at home or even drawing at home or whatever it was. But, of course, since it went down in that fashion, uh, it just makes it that much more difficult to swallow. But the, the fire, they're, they're still in it. They, they very much are. And, and all the, the Columbus result did was make sure – now you just need to go get a result where you didn't think you were going to get one. And why not go get three points in Vancouver in between yes. the three-game homestand and the Atlanta game? That's really all it comes down to. Go get three points somewhere where people did not expect you to get it. And the yeah. parity in this league is going to unfold naturally – and, and you're going to put yourself in a position where you're going to be putting pressure on the likes of Columbus, New England, Charlotte, Atlanta, those teams who are hovering around the playoff line. So great result for the boys. Way to bounce back, um, you know, particularly with having that situation at halftime, matching the situation on Saturday. Put it behind you. Be a goldfish. Get the result. Move on. Um, and now turning our attention to the Seattle group. And, you know, they obviously win Champions League for the first time um, in, for an MLS team in the modern format. They started out the season pretty woeful. I believe it was 2-5-1 and one to start the season. And since then, they've gone 6-2-1. and one. Um, But they have dropped their last two games, including 3-0 yeah. at home against Portland, against their biggest rivals, after unveiling the banner. And then they go to Geodas Park uh, on Wednesday and lose 1-0 to a very good um, Gary Smith-led Nashville team. And they don't fly back to Seattle. They come straight to Chicago. So this is a long time away from home for Seattle. They've had a rough week. And yeah. despite the fact that this is, you know, the best franchise in Major League Soccer from a consistency standpoint that we've seen, 
I do think that this is a winnable game for Chicago. It's going to come down to how Ezra is going to manage the legs. It's going to come down to, you know, some of these guys putting in another shift. Like you saw Chris Mueller has an incredible motor, but you saw how much Saturday took out of him. And then, you know, Wednesday really required somebody else to step up. And that was John Duran. So now who is, who is it going to be on Saturday for the fire against Seattle that's going to step up in, in the third game in eight days because, you know, as we know, Arlo, that that third game, once you hit the 75th minute, um, it, you know, the, the legs start to go a little bit and there's going to have to be some sort of, you know, magical super sub appearance from somebody to get to get the fire over the line. Yeah, and that's where the game management comes in, doesn't it? Because you know, against against Columbus, it wasn't there. Columbus made you know adjustments at half time, and and the fire couldn't respond. And I, you know, I, I agree with Ezra's assessment that we got punched in the face and we didn't punch back. But then they did punch back against Toronto and managed the game in the second half. Toronto, you know, not quite the team right now that Columbus are. Um, but then it goes to to Seattle as well. And you know, you look at you look at some of the individual performances against against Toronto. And they have to be replicated against Seattle in order to get a result. You know, Slanina is in great form. He made a couple of big, big saves. You know, the one from Kushito oh. uh, that was arrowing towards the top corner. You would have had a great view of that from between the benches. You know, the, the upper arm stretched out and, and tipped that over the crossbar. There was one from Kay in the first half, which prevented Toronto from getting back in the game. I thought, having been restored to the lineup, I thought Sekulic had a good night, you know, defensively, and he got forward um, quite a bit <clears throat> in support of the attack. The most, the most important player, other than Duran, I thought, on the night was Maurizio Pineda. Mm -hmm. Now, he had a tough, tough ask. And that is, having not played 90 minutes for a long time, he'd been missing through health and safety protocols. There were the lingering effects, obviously, of a positive COVID test. Um, Gaston Jimenez was, was out with yellow card accumulation. And, you know, obviously replacing a DP in the engine room of midfield alongside Fede Navarro um, in, a, in a high energy Chicago fire team who, who come out of the blocks and get in the opposition's faces. So you're putting a lot of miles on the clock uh, early in the game. And Pineda was involved in the second goal, a lovely ball out from the, from the, you know, the edge of his own penalty area under pressure, which Guti flicked on beautifully for Durant to run onto and score. Um, but I thought, save for a couple of loose passes, you know, in the second half, he was he was terrific. He's such a good technical player and he gets the ball moving very quickly. He, he often just needs one touch uh, to play the ball out from the back into, into the feet of a fire player. And I thought his performance was absolutely fantastic. And it's great for Ezra to know that, you know, maybe he starts Pineda, I don't know, against Seattle. But it's great for him to know that if, if Gaston is missing, if Fede Navarro is missing, then you've got a player of the quality of Maurizio Pineda to come in and to just shore things up in front of the back four and and use the ball very intelligently to, to build attacks. So I think that's a, a, that's a head scratcher for, for Ezra. Now, it might come down to the fact that, you know, late on there were a couple of stretches of the toe, weren't there? Because the, the legs were clearly cramping up towards the, towards the end of the game for Maurizio because he put a, a, such a shift in. But it, it's good that he has given Ezra a decision to make. Um, in that area of the field. So, you know, after a regen session on Thursday, it'll be interesting to see how, how Maurizio shape, shaped up after that. But you're right, you know, the, it's, the next, it's the next man up. I think Turan is playing really well at the moment as well, alongside mm -hmm. Rafa Shihos. He's really coming into his own. Again, a young, 
guy finding his way in the league, coming in for a, an informed wide Omsberg who unfortunately got injured. But we're just starting to see these young guys express themselves. Again, I come back to Brian Gutierrez and, and how well he's playing. Mueller, we know, is a quality player. Once again, we saw a highlight reel where he got the ball and, and three, three Toronto players just could not get the ball off him. And they closed in on him and he wriggled through. Lovely bit of footwork. And that, that's the sort of stuff that gets the crowd on their feet as well. So it's a young team. Um, they are going to have to dig deep physically against the Seattle Sounders, um, but they are just building a bit of momentum. They're building an identity. The results hopefully have started to come. Um, and this is a Seattle team, as you say, who are a little vulnerable at the moment. Two defeats, didn't score a goal, mass massively disappointing against the Portland Timbers at home after unveiling the CONCACAF Champions League banner. I mean, why they did that against the Timbers, I don't know. Whether it was a league edict. I mean, that if you want to wind up your closest rival, the best thing you can do is to unveil a banner that says they you've done something that they haven't. And they came out and they got punched in the face and didn't punch back. Then they go to Nashville and lose by a goal to nil. So maybe this is a good time to be playing the Seattle Sounders. Maybe they'll they'll come out with a reaction. Um, but it, it's just it just feels like there's a little bit of momentum building for the fire and these young players are turning in individual performances and like you say we've got to have more players doing that in order to get a result on Saturday and just the quickly on Mauricio Pineda um, he had not played 90 minutes since the May 19th matchup against Red Bulls and in between that game against Red Bulls and the one that he just played 90 minutes against Toronto he had made two appearances hmm. one for 46 minutes against NYCFC and one against DC United where he came on for for a hot second. So he basically hasn't played any football since his last since his last performance against um, Rebels and NYCFC on that three game road swing. So yeah. uh, just a, a, an unbelievable ask from Ezra and and a Chicagoland kid answered the call in a, in a big big way. So um, and also Tyler in a midfield where I know Michael Bradley doesn't get about the pitch maybe as much as, as he as he once did at the age of 34, but there's a guy that's got 151 caps for his country. And Osorio and Osorio's been an, yeah. a huge part of Canada getting back to the World Cup Absolutely. for the first time since the 80s. And Mark Anthony Kay is very, very solid. And yeah. it was his first game with the club um, since coming over from Colorado. But yeah, you're, you're right. That was not dominates that midfield. And I think yeah. that's a huge feather in his cap. Agreed. And And keep in mind, Mauricio got the start at the beginning of the season because Federico Navarro was dealing with some knee issues during preseason. Mauricio Pineda made that decision to continue to start him very difficult for Ezra because you bring in Federico Navarro for millions of dollars, um, you know, towards the end of, of 2021. And you're like, OK, this is your guy in the middle of the field who's going to play next to Gaston. Mauricio played so well that even when Federico was healthy. Ezra said, I can't break it up. I can't do it right now. It's, we got a good thing going. And until, you know, Mauricio, uh, you know, starts to get a little bit gassed or we have our first, you know, three-game week or whatever it is, that's when I'm going to slide in Pede. But every time that Pineda gets an opportunity, he runs with it and he makes Ezra's decision-making uh, a, a, a real nightmare because he, he is that good and he does provide something a little bit different in the middle of the field, whether he is going to replace Federico Navarro or Gaston Jimenez. But um, a, a great performance and – you had you had three teenagers probably put in the best performances on the field between Gaga, Guti, and John Duran, and then another yeah. Chicagoland kid and Mauricio Pineda who was bossing the midfield. So just a really good look and an, and an awesome experience for Fire fans. But um, like you said, this you know all, all focus towards Seattle now. Every game effectively has a playoff atmosphere. You have to get points in every single game now. Three points at home. 
Um, and they're going to have to try to do it against Brian Schmetzer and, and, a, and a group that has not missed the postseason since being in Major League Soccer. So we'll see how that's going to play out at Soldier Field. But um, we do have a, a couple of updates here from around the league, Arlo, one of them being the All-Star Game, unfortunately for the fire. Um, no members of Chicago were chosen, but just some highlights. Paul Ariola from FC Dallas, Tati Castellanos, who's obviously scoring goals left and right. Jesus Ferreira, um, Taxi Fontas, who's been great for DC United so far. Chicharito, Jordan Morris, Rui Diaz, who the Fire are going to see on Saturday against Seattle. Carlos Vela, um, some snubs. Georgi Mihailovic, he's been playing extremely well despite the fact mm. that he's been hurt. Um, I think that he probably should have gotten a nod. A-Dub, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here. I, I also think that Jose Martinez is clearly one of the best defensive midfielders in, in this league. And I also think that that's a, that's a big snub as well. And then you could look at, you know, the likes of Diego Chara, Brandon Vasquez, Jose Sinfuentes. Uh, I, I don't know how he's not on it, but um, obviously this is a big name affair. And, you know, guys are going to get in there and, and challenge these Liga Mecki group um, in the Twin Cities, but should be an excellent week of fun in Major League Soccer. And Arlo Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney should be in the all should be on the All Star team, or um, not quite, not quite. He he could manage the All Star team, maybe. Um, I know Adrian Heath has got has got that job. Um, I I was was I surprised? Maybe not. Um, DC United are you know they're coming off or they were coming off a seven nil defeat to the Philadelphia Union. So clearly things are not going well in the nation's capital for DC United. Wayne Rooney, I, I followed last season. I live on the outskirts of, of Derby. Derby County um, are a big football club in the Midlands of England, but they've fallen on hard times. You know, they had a local guy, Mel Morris, the inventor of a candy crush, no less, the, the game that swept the world a few years ago. So he made hundreds and hundreds of millions of pounds and, and kind of thought that he'd just wave a magic wand, throw a load of money at Derby County and get them into the Premier League. It never, it never happened. And they, he was running out of money. The, the club was up for sale. And Wayne Rooney had a situation where he was managing a team that was starting on something like minus, you know, minus 20 points, let's say, because they yeah. had points deducted for going into administration, points deducted for, for financial irregularities. And at one point, it looked like, and they weren't allowed to sign any players either because there was a transfer embargo. So, you know, in managerial terms, he had his hands tied behind his back. And it looked like at one one point that Derby County were going to survive relegation to the third division. In the end, they ran out of steam and, and they went down. And, and Wayne, I think, probably looked at the, the writing on the wall and thought, you know, this is going to be a disaster next season. As it as it turns out, the club has been sold um, to, to another local uh, conglomerate and, and you know, they've started signing players again and, and maybe will bounce back at the, the first time of asking. But I just thought that Wayne Rooney was really impressive, both in terms of the performances that he got out of Derby County and also the way he handled himself and projected himself to the media in a, in a very, very difficult situation because this is a guy who, you know, he's done it all, hasn't he, at Manchester United and he was, you know, England's record international goal scorer and just won everything at club level that you can imagine. And here he is, you know, really in, in a really tough spot um, fighting relegation from the championship. And I thought he came through that really, really well and enhanced his, his reputation. Am I surprised that perhaps the next job on offer was DC United? I am a little bit. And, it, it you know, it, his wife, Colleen, 
sort of expressed that she didn't particularly enjoy life in DC. That's putting it mildly. That is put it, putting it mildly. So she's not joining him full time. She'll visit, I guess, during during the you know the, the, the summer months. But you know, it's another opportunity for him to earn his stripes. And and what you know, you, you look at Frank Lampard from that vintage who went you know straight in at Derby, then to Chelsea, and you've got Steven Gerrard who went to Rangers and now in the Premier League with Aston Villa. You know, those big jobs have not been offered to Wayne Rooney early in his managerial career, so he's having to do it the hard way. And I'm impressed that he is he is not afraid of a challenge. And Derby County was a huge challenge. DC United is going to be a huge challenge. So it's going to be fascinating to see how he does. But I'm I'm rooting, obviously, not for DC United against the Chicago Five, but I'm rooting for him to do well. And I'd like to see him turn that ship around in DC. Um, and it's going to be fascinating to see how he does, because it's another brave move in his, in his early fledgling managerial career. And it's only, and obviously because of his name and and what he did as a player, it's only going to help Major League Soccer and having somebody of that of that caliber on the touchline and more people are just going to tune in just to see mm. how his team is doing. But when you're looking at this from a from a bigger standpoint and thirty thousand feet, and when you're thinking about you know all the players that have been coming into Major League Soccer as of late, and Cucho Hernandez, I'm going to sort of equate here because. Cucho Hernandez is only 23 years old and he just came over from the Premier League or, you know, a team that got relegated. And he he obviously wants to go back to, to a major European side at some point. And him doing well in Major League Soccer and then going back there is is massive for the league. The same goes for Wayne Rooney. The same goes for Ronnie Dyla, who obviously did well at NYCFC, won an MLS Cup, is going to go over to Standard Liège. And hopefully he's going to get to a major European side at some point. And not only is the league going to be yeah. a proving ground for players to make that jump to a, to a major European side, but for coaches as well. Um, Jesse Marsh is obviously doing it at Leeds right now, um, but he came up to the Red Bull system and it was a little bit different. But having people come over from Europe to Major League Soccer and, and maybe not skipping a step, but a, a little bit more... Um, lateral movement than you would expect uh, mm. at, at this point in, in, in somebody like Wayne Rooney's career. I was a little surprised that he ended up taking this move because if you think about how well he did at Derby, he's proved that he can be a very good coach in that country. I was a little surprised that he didn't get an offer at a bigger club on that side of the pond. But he clearly you know, has, a, has an infatuation with America, with D.C. particularly, and wants to help out the club that, that you know, he gave everything to in, you know, in, in his final playing days. So yeah. I, I'm really, really interested to see. And, it, and him doing well here is going to be another uh, proof of concept for the league, not only from a player standpoint and it being a proving ground, but for coaches as well. And that's only going to benefit the league as we move forward. And with the new Apple TV deal, Everybody across the world is going to be able to tune in to see Wayne Rooney coach DC United if he's going yeah. to be there next year without the international geofencing, which is big as well. Yeah, and that's that's huge, and and I totally agree with you. It gives it gives everyone in MLS a, a platform to be viewed a, across the globe, and and you know, I it, it's I. It, I understand the league moving away from this idea of being a retirement league, but it, it shouldn't. So therefore, Cucho Hernandez is one of the perfect signings, isn't he? He's 23 years old. He's coming into his prime. You're going to see some great years out of him in Columbus, and it's going to be fantastic. And maybe, you know, he earns a big move back to Europe or, or, or to South America. Who knows? Um, but it shouldn't preclude Major League Soccer from attracting big stars. Um, I know there's talk about Luis Suarez coming into the league. Mm -hmm. he, he, he would be box office. But Gareth Bale, I think, is so interesting because there was talk that he was look, just looking for a club just to stay fit, 
for the World Cup because Wales have qualified for the first time since 1958. All of a sudden, before he's even pulled his boots on, in, in, in a Major League Soccer game, he is so enamoured with life. I mean, I guess who wouldn't be in, in Los Angeles? And, you know, the, 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 the reaction that he's got and the welcome that he's got has been absolutely phenomenal. But before he's even kicked a ball, he's now talking about wanting to, to see it through to 2024 uh, so he can lead Wales to the European Championships as well. Now, you know, when he's had a few road trips and he's, he's gone to Kansas City for four days for one match because of uh, you know, having to get there early and then having to stay late for regen and the travel and all that sort of stuff, maybe maybe the the novelty will wear off but it just shows you that this environment because of the positivity that the facilities down in LA are fantastic in terms of the stadium and and the training ground that all of a sudden he's arrived and he's re-energized and here's a guy who's been sitting on the bench at Real Madrid taking all sorts of shots from the media for just pulling you know his massive wages and not and spending more time on the golf course than he has on the on the training pitch but here's a guy that's landed in LA feels wanted loves loves the league loves LAFC and all of a sudden has got a, a new lease of life and now wants to play till 2024. So, you know, it's just another another way of, of projecting this league around the world. For every Cucho Hernandez, which is a young player coming into his prime, who's going to be <clears throat> very, very impressive, there could be a Gareth Bale who, you know, at the other end of his career, but still has a lot to offer and will project this league globally in a, in a very, very positive light. So I think, you know, the signings that are happening in this window that with players at both ends of their, their career spectrums, but they're exciting and it's energising the league at the moment. It can only be a good thing. And and why and why does the league need to be pigeonholed as just a retirement league, as just a proving ground for young South American talent to make the jump? Why can't it be everything? Exactly. This, this, this is America. We do sports really, really well. And this league is still super young, but is starting to sort of mold an identity a little bit. And, and getting signings like Gareth Bell paired with Cucho Hernandez, having somebody like Gaga Slonina come up through an academy and getting sold potentially to one of the reigning Champions League winners in Chelsea. Like these are all things that can all exist within the league and there doesn't need to be one identity. It can be everything. It can be the last stop for, for a megastar like a Gareth Bell or, you know, or an Iguain or whatever it might be. There are a number of different things that this league can offer. And if you throw it all together, you know, it, it's a pretty cool melting pot uh, of, of football. And, you know, I'm really, really excited to see what, what's going to come to, for for the end of the season because there's been so much movement and you know Insigne coming in for Toronto FC Bernadeschi you know hopefully that deal is going to get done soon they have another DP spot open and I have a feeling that Bradley's going to make a big splash with that one as well so there's a lot of really exciting things happening and meanwhile the fire amidst all of it are still in this playoff hunt and have a big one against Seattle this weekend we hope to see you at Soldier Field if you have not yet Go to ChicagoFireFC.com. Get your tickets. It's going to be a beautiful day at Soldier Field. Grab a hazy pitch, which is brought to you by Revolution Brewing, which is also the sponsor of this podcast, which, if I do say so myself, has been killing it as of late. But Arlo, you were going to say something, my friend. Yes, I think um, I think Revolution Brewing, I'm going to pitch an idea to them, a new beer. It's called Bouncy Pitch. Bouncy Pitch. Bouncy pitch, yeah, and it's um, you know it's going to have the picture of a baseball <laughs> with a skirt <laughs> on it uh, on the on the cap. Um, so uh, so I'm going to oh, yeah I'm going to bring them today pitch well literally pitch the idea of bouncy yeah. pitch and we'll see if we can get that brewed and uh, in the in the shops as soon as possible. Or I can I recommend an alternative, a short arm city. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, are we going to play a double? Are we, are we, are we going to because I think Tyler did some play-by-play on the pitch from behind the mound. 
Come on, pal. What do you say? What time? Oh, that's not going to do it. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I Listen, I was, I, I was scared. I, I saw it. It was right online. And then I realized that there was, there was no steam behind it whatsoever. <laughs> and exhale. <laughs> It was a brilliant cricket bowl, by the way. Yeah, you know, in, in an alternative sport, that would have caused the batsman all sorts of problems. Mm -hmm. um, sadly, sadly, not in baseball. All right, folks. This has been episode number 68 of the Intercontinental Football Show for Arlo White and A-Dub. I am Tyler Terrence. I got it right that time. Have a great weekend, everybody. <laughs> Go by.